beginning, having not understood from the foundations of the earth. What we just heard is the penultimate movement of Randall Thompson's The Peaceable Kingdom. I still have the words memorized to this movement and the one that follows, Ye Shall Have a Song. Long decades since singing it when I was in a, a competitive high school choir. It is the words that we heard from our Isaiah passage this morning. My senior year in public school, the choir director, Bob Northrup, never overtly shared his Christian faith with us, but he did share it in two very important ways. The first is the students in his choirs, and there were about 300 of them, he cared for, and you could see it, how he went after the ones that were having difficulties as he encouraged the ones in their vocation and their lives. And the second thing he did is he chose music like what we just heard that had seeds of the gospel in it. And even now, so many decades later, it still is on my heart and in my soul. Have you not known? That is the question that Isaiah asks us. And what is this that we are supposed to know? What is this that we're supposed to have heard that we should have understood from the beginning? This Isaiah text is from the book of Isaiah, and it's very complicated. The whole book is very complicated and complex. At times, it's an autobiographical account of Isaiah's own call to preach to the people of God and to call them back to God, and it contains many of the verses that we're familiar with, especially around Christmas time, things like for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the Prince of Peace. Or, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. That one Jesus uses at the start of his ministry. Written between 700 and 600 years before Jesus, the book of Isaiah has three basic sections. The first, uh, one, uh, chapter 1 through 39, is God's people have walked away from God. And Isaiah is trying to call them back to repentance. Chapters 40 through 55 invite people to follow God and to get to know this God who is inviting them. And then chapters 56 through 66 are just some practical ways of worship and prayer for God's people. So our chapter today, chapter 40, starts this second section inviting the reader to know who God is and to follow God. And so I invite you to take out your bulletin and to look at the text with me as we go through it. Isaiah begins with this question, have you not known? And the choir music supports a sense of triumph and majesty. There's something here that's really important. 
And then Isaiah launches into a description of God. God is above the earth. And we on the earth are like grasshoppers. God is enormous and we are small. Our heavens are like a curtain that we would pull across the window or a tent that we would put up. And when you think of a curtain or a tent, the solidity of creation is likened to fabric, not hard materials. Fabric that would just blow in the breeze. Then he turns to the rulers, the people of power, and says God brings them to nothing. They're planted. They have their day. They don't even take root. And God blows upon them and they wither. We are vulnerable if the most powerful among us, those with the money or the health or the power, have this happen to them. We, who are we? We are vulnerable. And Isaiah continues, now speaking as God, there is no one who is my equal. I created all that you see. But here, something shifts in the text. And it's something that happens throughout Isaiah. How big is God? How powerful is God? But, I call each of them by name. I call each of them by name. And he's talking about the starry hosts, as you just heard in our children's time. And it's echoed in Psalm 147. He counts the number of stars and calls all of them by their name. As I said, in the Milky Way, just our galaxy, there's a hundred billion stars. What I didn't say is that there are two trillion galaxies in our observable universe. And observable is a key here. Because there's a lot of the universe we actually can't see yet. And some of it we may never see. So 100 billion stars just in our galaxy, 2 trillion galaxies, that is a lot of names, and that is a lot of stars, and that would take a lot of time to name each one. Pulling it back to our level, my mind is expanded to this, this huge universe, but bringing it back to Earth, God invited Adam at the creation to name the creatures of the earth in Genesis chapter 2. And so partners with us, with humanity, in this naming on a smaller scale. And the implication here is that everything has a name. What does that mean? To be named or to name? When I learn your name, it's one of the first steps toward getting to know you. And when you learn my name, we've now crossed into something of a relationship. Some, something now is mutual. I know your name, you know mine. To be named is powerful. 
a parent names a child and think through who named you. You know, I was named by my dad almost the day before I was born. They had chosen a name. I was supposed to be Danielle. Mm. Nothing against Danielle, but I can't imagine being Danielle. I'm Susan. <laughs> A friend might name us with a nickname. A family member might name us with a nickname. Something that when we hear it, it, it fills our heart with love. My dad calls me Suze. And my mom made him promise that he wouldn't shorten Susan to anything else. And within a few days, I became Suze to my dad. Naming can also hurt. Sometimes we can be named in a way that hurts us by someone. And in this case, in this scripture, God has called us and everything into being. And God has named us. And so the question here is, who is this God who has such power? What is the character of this God? Should we be afraid of this God? Is his naming to have power over us? Or to hurt us? Or does he name us out of love? And God's people at the time of Isaiah were asking that same question. Isaiah, if you look in your passage, quotes the people of God and their complaint. My way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God. Disregarded. The people of God are feeling alone and abandoned by God, and they're wondering whether God cares about them. And at this moment, Isaiah brings back that question. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Isaiah reminds them then that God's strength and majesty and power is theirs. They have access to it. God's power is not against you, but for you. Those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength, will mount up with wings like eagles. God gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even those we think would keep on going, the youth, those young in body and and mind and spirit, they even fall. But when we wait upon the Lord, all the power and strength of God is for our good and for the flourishing of creation. Desiring this strength from God isn't selfish. It's not selfish. It's life for us. We don't have to eke out our life. We don't have to make do. We can go to the God of the universe and wait upon God. Come to God and seek him for strength. Later in the scriptures, Jesus says this directly in Matthew 11. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? Come to me. Get away with me. I'll show you how to take a real rest. So Jesus, in our gospel, actually...
actually models to us this, waiting upon God. It says in our gospel passage, in the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. Who is he praying to? He's having a conversation with God, with his Father. He left all of the need behind. He had just healed someone, and healed many actually. He left all of that behind. He left behind his to-do lists. If he has to-do lists, he left them. And he sought out God, his Father, in conversation. The one who had named him and called him beloved son. And in the mystery of the Trinity, God the Son is waiting upon God the Father. Now, for us, does this mean that we have to get up before dawn and talk to God to wait upon God? Okay, I'm seeing some nods, no, and I'm seeing some yeses. The point of this is, is it's a priority. There's something about that early morning time before our day begins that sets it as a priority. Now, that depends on our schedules and our work and our lives that God has placed us into. But there is something about giving those first few moments of the day to the God of the universe, to wait upon God. And there's more. In the gospel that we heard, Mark does something amazing in the writing of this gospel. He bookends it. This is from chapter 1. And Jesus has healed someone, risen them up, and then Jesus rises before dawn and goes seeks his father. And then at the end of Mark, you hear the angels telling the women who have come to wait upon God at the tomb that Jesus has risen in the early morning. And the verbs that are used in both of these chapters, beginning and end, can mean rising from sleep and also rising from the dead. Jesus shows us that waiting on God isn't just for our lives here and now, but it raises us with him to life. Let's get practical. How might you wait upon the Lord? Well, three very brief things. The first is, as I said, prioritize it. There are countless reasons not to seek the Lord in prayer. There will always be reasons. So I encourage you to prioritize it. And Lent is a great time to prioritize prayer. The second is trust that God wants to be found. I think when Jesus goes off to the mountain and they come searching for him, he could have chosen a place they couldn't find him. But they find him. Believe that God wants to be found. Believe that God wants you to soar on eagle's wings. And finally, third, share what happens. There's something powerful in the testimony when we seek after God in prayer, and we hear from God in prayer, and then we bring it and encourage each other with what we've heard. Actually, in the scriptures, it's one of two things that kicks evil to the curb. The death of Jesus and our testimony. 
the death of Jesus and our testimony. In Revelations chapter 12, that's what it tells us. Our testimony is, is powerful. So prioritize it. Trust God wants to be found and share what you hear. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The infinite God of the universe knows you, has made you, loves you, and wants to be found by you to bring you to life. Amen.